0: good morning so how did y'all did y'all know y'all were gonna be on the front row this sunday y'all did not know y'all were on the front row wow it was a cool move so um you never know when you're gonna get promoted right there so look how many's enjoyed this series we've been in it's been incredible i've had a lot of feed yeah that's good i've had a lot of feedback and uh, somebody brought this up, you know, uh, Allison was mentioned in After Service that, um, I don't know why I brought that up there. But, um, uh, Allison was mentioned After Service, that this series has been like, f- it feels practical, but in all actuality, it's very spiritual. Because the most spiritual part of, the, some of the most spiritual part of our life is our family and our relationships. And in any relationship that you have, um, there's a spiritual aspect. And so uh, we're dealing with this vow that we've made to God and we've made to one another and, uh, and, and those practical things that go along with that. And how to be committed. You know, we, we, need to have, we need to have servants, we need to be committed. What are some of the other things we talked about? Servants, committed. I'm gonna see if y'all been listening. Declaration, anybody else? Huh?
1: Communications.
0: Communication is what we're gonna talk about today. So we're going to be talking about communication today. Now I know most of y'all are here professional communicators. You don't really need this, but just, this is just for the few, not for everybody. So just for the few, because so, most of us in here feel like we communicate really well. Um, people just need to learn how to listen. That's the whole problem. And uh, so we're going to talk about communication just for a little bit. And, and I, think, I think one of the important things in communicating is that we understand that God has called us, God has called us to be with people. He never created anybody to be alone. We started out talking about that, how God created uh, Adam and he said, you know, it's not good for man to be alone. So he, 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 he formed Eve and, and, and then they became one. And so God wants us to be together. So if he wants us to be together, then he surely wants us to communicate. Wouldn't you agree? Okay. This is feedback. You go, Amen. Yeah, woohoo! Yeah, awesome. So, if He wants us to communicate, then we need to. Then we need to learn how to effectively communicate. And um, and you would think that that would be instinctive, since God created us. But that too often in our communication, um, something goes awry. We just don't. We don't somehow connect. And so the one one thing um, I would say that. A person can be communicating and the other person because of their makeup or how they are or what they're designed like, they, you're saying one thing, but they're hearing something different. Mm -hmm. How many are married in here today and you've experienced that before? You're saying one thing. How many have kids and you've experienced that? All right, how many have a job and you've experienced that? All right, how many talk to yourself and you've experienced that? (laughs) And so, (laughs) For many of us, communicating clearly and effectively requires learning some important skills. And so as I was studying and preparing for this over this, over this series, the one thing I kept being drawn back into, and then, if you, if you go and Google this and you look at communication skills and you go back and look at this, the number one thing that's the breakdown in communication is not somebody talking or the ability to talk, but the breakdown in communication is the ability to listen. the ability to listen so we're going to be talking about effective communication and i'm going to open today uh i have the Rafino family here today all four of them there's and there's two in the belly there that are due any moment i told her she could not have them today though and then uh so ricky and emily and then audrey Uh, i have audrey up here audrey works with me she's my personal assistant and then, of course, my wife, Angela. Uh, they, these two are exactly alike. So when I leave home, I go to the same environment. And when I leave the, uh, work, I go back to the same environment. I hear they communicate exactly the same. And then Audrey and Matthew Bird, And I, there's something really unique about their relationship is that Matthew uh, works out of town. And I'll let them tell more about that in a minute. But So I'm going to ask them first, like, This dynamic of being gone, and I think you're gone sometimes four or five weeks at a time. So, we're gonna talk about some of the dynamic there and the power of communication, how it's so important. Go ahead.
2: Okay. Um, You know, since obviously I'm not at home, it's very important that if um, Audrey wants me to know what's going on in the house, then she has to tell me. Um, We do that, you know, a couple of different ways. She'll either text me in the morning, hey, this is what we've got going on for the day, or she'll text me later on that night. This is what happened during the day. Um, you know, We try to, to keep up with one another on video chats or phone calls, but you know, when I'm up on, the, I work offshore on a fuel barge, and when I'm up on the fuel barge, obviously we can't have our cell phones up on the barge, so there's time periods when I'm awake and working and she can't talk to me until I get off of um, my watch or off of work. And, um, you know, obviously life doesn't stop just because I'm out of communication or I'm out of range. Um, So whenever I get back in range or when I get the chance, she'll tell me everything that's been going on and um, fill me in that way. And then we try to video chat with the kids as much as possible, Mm -hmm. but.
1: Uh, We have four kids, two of them are twins, so it feels like a million. Um, I always tell people that, but um, it's just, yeah, you're about to get into that stage. and yeah so it's it's up to it's really up to me to make sure that i'm communicating what has the feel the atmosphere attitudes with the kids i mean it, it it makes a big difference when i tell him things even if he's not around like when he is around when he comes back it's that reentry of adjusting to each other being together again um and it's it's can be challenging like it's There's a few honeymoon days, and then there's days that we're like, "Okay, time for you to go back to work." But (laughs) just kidding. (laughs) But you know, it's just—it's real. It—it's happened. That's our—that's our life right now.
0: That's cool.
3: That's
1: hilarious. Um,
3: so for us, I think uh, it's funny that each season you're in, I think communication can change. So early in our marriage, we communicated in one way, and then you learn as you're—you know—married how to better communicate. And so early on, um, we weren't the best at it. And I think part of it was, you know, you have two completely different people who come into a household together and you're learning each other's personalities and ways and routines or lack of routines. (laughs) And so we joke because I am a routine person. Like if I, that's just how I accomplish things. That's how I get things done. And it's in a routine. And He's not at all, uh, which makes life really fun. But um, early on, he would do a couple things the same way, like a few days in a row, and I assumed it was his routine. And so when he didn't do that, I was like, whoa, what are you doing? He's like, what are you talking about? I was like, well, you've been, like, your routine is XYZ. He's like, no, it's not. I don't have a routine. I was like... I do. Okay. So we miscommunicated in the fact that we didn't really talk about, I didn't realize how much you had to actually talk through things. And so now, you know, six and a half years into it, I've learned how to probably over communicate because I'll make sure I'll tell him like, you know, either a routine or what's going on or, you know, I'm very more verbal, I guess, than just assuming because it's so easy to assume he's just like me. But that doesn't happen. So it's just the verbal communication, which sometimes can be very uncomfortable, very vulnerable, and just like opening up of how I feel about something to just let him know so that he can respond in whatever way necessary. I guess that's we have learned.
4: <laughs> that's good. I'll be gentle. <laughs> <laughs> she was gentle. Um, another thing that probably uh, frustrated her is I didn't realize she had routines, because <laughs> I didn't operate with routines. <laughs> so I can imagine that frustrated you a bit. But um I think we've grown considerably. Um, like Matt and Audrey, in the beginning of our marriage, I traveled a lot. So coming back into the environment is always interesting, especially when you're newlyweds. And I have routines. And she has routines. And I come in. I come home. I mess up her routines, and then I leave. <laughs> But I think over the years now, I'm traveling again with work after a few years of being at home all the time with (laughs) her, (laughs) and uh, I think we've grown because we we learned how to communicate and we matured in that communication, so I think we're, yeah, talking it through, using our words.
0: Audrey, you want to just talk a little bit about the office place and working it out. I don't know.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Gosh, well, I mean, I talk to a lot of different people. I talk to anyone in this room. I talk to um, Pastor Marvin leadership, and so there's a lot of different things and a lot of different moving parts, so to have effective communication can be like, you know, you have to understand how other people communicate, because there's a lot of times where it's like, I have to understand that, you know, certain people need a face-to-face conversation a text reminder, an email, like some people need all of it, and some people just need like, you know, hey, tell me once, I'm good. Um, So you have to just read the room and know who you're talking to, which is, you know, a variety of people, and that helps my job, easier to know people, so to get to know people personally, and then, you know, later, if I'm communicating work stuff, then it makes it easier, so. And learning Pastor Marvin, and what he needs, and (laughs) how I need to communicate to him, and, um, if I have any questions, I just ask angela so <laughs> or maybe that's a bad source <laughs> source subject
1: there
0: uh talk a little bit about you you mentioned this in the first service about listening about oh, oh
5: about well uh, yeah how you don't
0: listen sometimes
5: yeah there's <laughs> he wants me to to uh repeat a uh, a bad habit is just you know. I'm trying to a lot of my job is like anticipating and being preemptive and so even in our daily conversations it's like he'll start telling me about an idea and where he wants to go with it and then I'll, I'll like cut him off and like you mean this and he's like even times where I am right he's like but I wanted to say it you know like he wanted to finish his sentence like get his full thought out and so um there are times where that habit needs to just Lay low and let the conversation kind of naturally progress, and uh, and give him his time, so that you know when he talks, I give him his time, and then I can have my time.
0: Congratulations, though you're doing really good.
5: Good job. (laughs) There you go. Yeah.
0: Awesome. You're awesome with that, Angie. You want to share just a minute about communicating with us, listening early on.
6: Okay, early on, two different worlds colliding, just like Emily and Ricky. Um, my mom and dad are here we kind of had a quiet home and we spoke quietly, low tones I am a processor, I'm very slow to do anything and um, so I process through things pastor on the other hand um, he likes to just take the bull by the horns and let's just lay it all out there it's loud and it's messy and it's very in your face. So as you can imagine, those two worlds did not collide so well because the loud, noisy in your face was confrontation to me and I wanna go hide. I don't want, I, I, I can't deal with this. You're attacking me. It's not about the issue anymore. It's you're attacking. And, um, and if we read, if you read this book. Right here that we've been talking about, you can get Not it. Not if when when you read this book, and it's hard. I mean, I'll tell you, I got stuck in a few chapters and couldn't move on because I was like, "Ouch, it really hurts," but it's good. Um, but you'll read in there there are some personality types. One of them's a T Rex, which is large and in charge. There is no, no, you know, he is the top dog, right? And why would you have to
0: say he? It could be a she.
6: It could be a she in our relationship. It is definitely a he there are good points to being a t-rex most of the points are not but there are good points to (laughs) being ow okay but i am a goat and that is very bad points to that also i will just do anything to have peace you can you can eat a limb i don't care just let's have peace yes and then there's the passive aggressive chocolate covered dragon and um that is nice to your face but not so nice when they get out from in front of you um so where was i going with this okay so that was communication early on and we have learned um that there are a lot of parts of communication Mm -hmm. it's not just words that you say it is what is the timing feelings feelings are huge cannot be discounted um and um just like what is the surrounding circumstances of what we're talking about like w- is this a good time do i do i really need to go into it in depth at this moment um you look like you had a bad day can we table that that sort of situations
0: so we're talking about the four things that are really the skills that everybody needs to learn that every person needs to learn and that's engaged listening uh non-verbal communication uh you know, dealing with stress in the moment, or how, you know, uh, of course, you know, we oftentimes talk about stressful reactions because, uh, I- emotional reactions, because a lot of times with me, Angela and I, she was kind of kind of wilt, and and then withdraw, and then go into a fetal position. <laughs> and then, uh, then you know, whereas we're, we're, is, we're That communication, I was not really listening to her at all because I was trying to, even what she was saying, I was immediately trying to fix the problem. So I was processing, get it done, get it done, get it done. Let's get it all on the table, let's air it all out. And then how to uh, assert yourself respectfully. I I had a real issue with that, I just wanted to assert myself and I don't know if any respect had anything to do with that. Uh, And I didn't do it in a disrespectful way, heartfelt, I wasn't hard, like, I don't really care. It's just learning our personalities. And in this book, it talks about those three things. It also tells you that none of those are right, that there's a right communication. So uh, I've learned with, with trying to communicate to listen because, because of the lack of listening, uh, I did not ever f- clearly or fully understand how she was feeling. And, and when, you, when you're in a house with six women, <laughs> feelings matter. And I'm not being funny about that. It, it, I'm not, I'm not, that's not a backhand to women because God gifted them to feel. And it's so important that they are able to feel. They're able to, to express. Uh, they're able to you know, share. And oftentimes, I would not give room for the feeling to happen. I'd be like, okay, let's nail the facts out here. If this ain't a fact, let's erase it. And, all, and, and and now I've learned that like, okay, let me, how do you feel about this? And is they're expressing their feelings, you know? And by the way, men have feelings too. Mm-hmm. So let's just don't put that all on the women. We sometimes emotionally react out of anger or frustration or taking hold of something. That's a feeling, that's an emotion. Um, it may have some logic to it in the facts, but it's still a reaction, and so, Oftentimes, we have to learn how to listen. And listening is so key element in this process. It's such a key element. And I would say that in, in the last 20 plus years of marriage counseling, the number one thing that women tell me is my husband does not listen to me. He doesn't listen. He doesn't hear what I'm saying. And oftentimes what they mean He doesn't feel what I'm feeling. He's not connected to my feelings. And that's a real deal. And um, this is terrible, but I just say, I'm not worried about your feelings, what are the facts? (laughs) And I learned that that doesn't work. That's not not effective. And so learning to communicate and manage these (laughs) stressful moments and when we're communicating with each other and learning how to listen, Uh, James 1 19 says my dearest brothers and sisters take this to heart be quick to listen but slow to speak and slow to become angry be quick to listen and slow to speak now how many in this room are quick to speak I'm ready to say what I gotta say I'm quick to speak and we want we want what we have to say to be important but the greatest thing of communicating is listening 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 and taking in and in this context of James 1 the, the the passage of scripture here is talking about being able to listen to one another to listen to God's voice and to and to be able to hear the Word of God I would want to rephrase this and to to hear God's voice you got to be able to understand the Word of God you got to hear the Word of God and then you're able to hear other people but when you don't put those in perspective it's very difficult to listen so when we're communicating with others, we need to focus on what what someone is saying and, and that effectiveness of listening to what they're saying and then give them positive feedback and understanding in their feelings and their emotions and all of that. So what's the difference uh, Different ways, uh, difference between engaged listening and simply just hearing? Engaged listening and simply hearing. You wanna talk about that, engaged? Um,
6: engaged listening to me means that you're actually looking at me You're nodding. There's some nonverbal cues happening. You're talking back to me. You're giving me words back that You're repeating some of the stuff. I'm saying back to you Um, And simply hearing means there's noise in the room but you're changing the subject or you're asking not random questions or You're picking up your phone or you're answering your phone when I'm talking
0: to you. I never do that.
6: Oh my gosh. We are in the house of the Lord. And um, (laughs) are reading texts. You know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Emily, you started to say something? Okay. Anybody else want to add to that? Uh, how, How you feel like when someone's paying you attention?
5: Well, yeah. There's times where I've I've been talking to and I think you guys shared a similar story earlier was that like you know you're talking to your spouse and they're they're not physically looking at you or they are engaged in some other object but they are listening believe it or not there's just this preference you know that each person has they want eye contact or they want some sort of they do they want this certain t- feedback whether it's it is verbal or it's nonverbal and it's like The only thing is, when Ryan isn't looking, and I'm telling him everything, and then I'll stop and be like, well, tell me what I just said. And he rattles it off perfectly. I'm like, dang it. (laughs) I was trying to catch him to see, you know, that he wasn't paying attention. But, yeah, there's just, I think everyone has different preferences, but there has to be some sort of rebuttal or something coming back to you.
0: So even if he is able to repeat it, do you think he's listening?
5: Yes, I just don't like it. (laughs) That's all. I just want the eye contact. You feel, you feel more engaged with someone with your eye contact, yeah.
0: So um, so when you're communicating in this way, you experience this process, and, and, and how do you, when you're communicating, what helps you in y'all's relationship to lower the stress level of, of the communication? What, how, do y'all, how do y'all work together to make sure that the stress level doesn't get out of control?
1: Right, I think we talk daily about the activities of what we want to do, accomplish for that day. Like, I try to, um, like, the beginning of the week, I try to tell him, like, okay, this is what's kind of going on in the, these days, and who's going to be responsible for what and who. And, and we have four kids, and um, which feels like a million. I don't know if I said that. And it does. And it's just, like, you have to be on the same page about the little, even the little things that may not mean, uh, may, may seem important, but they are, because it can. Challenge your communication and like, oh, I thought you were going to do that. Oh, well, now we can't both do it, you know. So um, it's just, yeah. Go ahead.
2: And then we also, I guess, started this thing early on in our marriage somehow, where uh, if we get stressed out about a situation or our situation's kind of coming up to a boiling point, and we find ourselves on just completely opposite ends of the spectrum. We just take a moment, take a breath, and hi, my name is Matthew. I love you. I'm and then let's reset. You know how you always want that chance to restart a conversation or restart uh, a chance to make a second impression? Well, that just gives you an opportunity to do it in the middle of your conversation.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's kind of like telling, you know, we're on the same team, we're working toward the same
2: goals. Right.
1: It's, um it's we're together against the world. You know, we're together for this problem, against this problem. Like, let's work together. We're not on the opposite sides of it and trying to, like, you know, whoever's gonna first find the solution. It's both of us finding the solution for that, whatever that is, and just knowing that we're together on it.
0: So in chapter five of the book, Keep Your Love On, it talks about resetting those conversations even in that, like saying, like when Angela comes and she's um, saying, I think this, I feel this, you're you're this this, and I say, well, I'm not gonna have this conversation right now because the things that you're saying about me or you're feeling about me are not true. So when when you're in a better place, then we'll start this conversation over because I'm on your team. Mm-hmm. And what you're feeling right now is divided. So I'm on your team, so let's start over or let's not have this until we can start over. Let's just clear the board here. Mm-hmm. Or or vice versa, when I'm coming in like a wrecking ball. Somebody put that on my birthday thing for a couple of years. He coming in like a wrecking ball. Mm-hmm. When, so when I'm coming in like a wrecking ball, she's like, hey, hold up. no this is not the time or the place to have that conversation. Mm -hmm. You're emotionally strung out right now, you're you're stressed. And I've even heard her tell the kids, like uh, your dad's stressed so give him space. And that's okay. You need to be able to recognize when your spouse or your kids or whatever walks into the room and it's not the time to talk. I went into the office this week as a matter of fact and I'd had a stressful morning and some situations and I'd been dealing with and Audrey, with her list of questions that she needs to ask, and which I'm thankful for, by the way. I'm not, when I say that, I'm not being cynical. She helps me stay on course. And so she, but she has to ask questions to do that. But I just told her, like, I am not in the mood to answer questions. So right now you won't get good answers. And so let's table that until I go get some fuel. I need to eat lunch. I need to, you know, get my head clear. Because if you start asking me questions now, I'm going to give you bad answers, or I'm going to say I don't know, and that's going to frustrate you even more. So let's just wait. Mm-hmm. And and uh, sometimes that can, knowing that you can communicate that way lets the other person know, time. This is not the right time. This is not the right time because we're just going to go. We're just going to have a whole waste two hours, mm-hmm. but we can wait, and that that will be good to wait. So. Um, my computers want to install new software. Um, so focusing fully on the fam, on the person that's speaking, and focusing on the person you're talking to, and giving them full attention, and how that looks. And the, my friend John Welch, uh, I love one thing I love about him, and the one thing I hate about him is that when he's with someone, he's very present with them. He's not going to answer his phone because the part I hate about that is I've been calling him for two hours and he won't answer the phone, but he's fully present with the person he's with at that moment. Mm-hmm. But what I love about him is when he's with me, he's fully present with me in that moment. Mm-hmm. And it makes you feel like, hey, you know what? I'm important. What I have to say matters. And I'm guilty of not doing that. As a matter of fact, I had a young lady I was talking to at church one time, and I was blah, 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 and we were talking, and I was like, yeah, yeah. I was looking around see who I was here, who wasn't here. I was paying attention, who did I need to talk to? And she grabbed me by the face and she said, right now I'm talking to you. Mm -hmm. And it made me think like, okay, I need to be present in this moment Mm -hmm. right now. And that's so very important because we need learning to listen to what someone's saying. Even though I'm like Ryan, I could rattle back to her everything that she said. She didn't feel that I was present. So uh, the next thing we want to talk about is body language. and how that, you know, let me read this other passage of scripture though here real quick. Uh, Proverbs 18 says, listen before you speak, for to speak before you've heard the facts will bring humiliation. When we just blurt something out before we listen, we, 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 we like, we humiliate people like you don't matter. So we need, a, that's very powerful in listening and then provide that feedback. Number two is our body language and how to pay attention to nonverbal signs. Come on, somebody. Do you know there's times that you just need to look and you don't need to say a thing. You can tell somebody is not ready to talk to you. Mm-hmm. All right. Or the positive is is that they are ready to talk to you. And um, and there's some things that I as a as a that I, I mean, I'm on the phone a lot, but there's some things that I do not like. I do not like when we're in a staff meeting, and I look over and somebody's on their phone. They're on their phone because what they're telling me is, is they're checked out of our meeting. Mm. Now, oftentimes they'll tell me, well, I'm texting somebody for this or that during the meeting. I'm like, you have a, uh, you write that down and you do that later because I want you to be present. So even though that may, they may be engaged, the truth is I feel that they're not engaged. Even in church, sometimes I'm preaching, I'm speaking and I look it up and people are on their phones. Mm. Now, I happen to know that you're on Facebook because I also have you on Facebook and I noticed that you posted all during church. (laughs) So I feel like you're not really engaged in what I'm saying. All right. So I'm saying that as a speaker, but how much more important is it one-on-one to recognize, to recognize those, those nonverbal patterns and how people do. So I want us to talk about how do we shift that and how do we change that and how do we respond to someone with a nonverbal so that it speaks to them in that relationship and maybe some of the things y'all have learned to change and then I, I love your story about the, the apartment. Share that Oh with us.
1: yeah, so when we first got married we were living in a 500 square foot apartment. So when we were upset at each other they c- couldn't go out anywhere. So we're like right here and I'm like okay, well. Can't get away from me. I mean, or if I really wanted to talk with him, I'm like, "Come on, let's just hash it out now." But he is—hey, he has a personality that just needs time. And I'm the one that, you know, we we came into this marriage two different people. He grew up the way he grew up. I grew up the way that I grew up. I was raised completely different from him. And my dad trained me to like talk it out, you know, and let's let's work on it right now. And that's what I saw in my parents' marriage, and so that's what I modeled. And he was no raised differently and so we came together and I'm like okay he wants to talk it out but not really you know um and now on the other side the positive side is is that you know um like what was I going to say oh at home like even now I'm my pots and pans are when I'm mad my pots and pans are going and he knows I'm mad you know I'm like I'm cleaning up the house and I'm slamming things and putting things away and um I'm trying to be productive at the same time but um it's just different. The way that we were both raised makes a difference in how you come into your marriage. And then positively, you know, now he, when it's time to make that change um, positively, he you know, will come rubber back. We'll, we'll like, it, now is a good time. The kids are preoccupied. Let's talk about this thing, you know. Um, so there's a time for everything.
0: Talk about some of those verbal things that y'all do when y'all, when he comes home, so the kids see.
1: Oh, that's, um, yes. So th- when he comes back, it's I we make sure that I'm the first one to kiss him it's not the kids it's it's me I'm his wife I'm I'm his first um, and you need to you need to make sure that your kids know that priority and by telling them hey I get the first kiss when he comes home or hug you know because that shows them that um, your marriage is first and God that's the way that God created it you know there's a lot of times where I have friends back home where they do not they put their kids in between them and I just feel like That's not where God wants you to do. That's not what you should do. Your your kids are after your marriage.
0: Yeah, that's good, and that's a verbal. That's that's not saying. That's not saying. Hey, kids. You know, that's a verbal thing. That's a nonverbal communication that says you're first in my life. It both affirms both of you, and it teaches the kids right. Yeah, and now the kids know. Now the kids know. Yeah, that's good. Y'all want to share on some y'all's nonverbal communication skills, or lack thereof?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, I think lack thereof, definitely early on, I think we're getting better at it, um, was shutting down. You know, just a part of you. And for me, it was more that I never wanted to say anything that would stick with him um, for a long period of time to really put a wedge in our marriage. But it also was an excuse to just shut down and not talk about um, what was really happening and hoping time would go by and then we would, like, everything's fine. Um, but the problem is, is it usually comes back up. And so what I've learned to do is really to just seek the Lord and pray and, all right, God, is this something I need to bring up with him or is this something that I'm just feeling and I need to, I need to change my heart or does he need to change his heart? <laughs> we're always hoping it's the other person. (laughs) Hopefully he needs to change his heart. You know, but a lot of times, honestly, it would come back on me. I'm like, okay, I need to change that. But I've definitely learned that, honestly, sometimes even if it's just a feeling I'm having, it's okay for me to bring it up to him because we're in this together. And, you know, we always, something we learned early on, and I think it was through pre-marriage counseling, maybe it was that we're for each other. We're not against each other. Like, so if something happens, it's if he does something to offend me, it's not because he doesn't like me or love me or he doesn't. It he, you know, we're in this. He wants to see the best for me, and I want to see the best for him. And so, we've learned that verbal communication, you know, actually talking about it um, in a respectful way, not going at him, because again, he wants what's best for me, so I don't need to attack him. Um, and just talking it through and sometimes it's in tears and sometimes it's not and you know but being vulnerable you know that's another thing that I really had to learn it is it's okay to be vulnerable with your spouse or you know even sometimes with friends um, because we're really all in this together so if I had to talk to Audrey about something she's for me in the body of Christ especially like we're for each other we're not against each other. The enemy wants to put a wedge between us, not, not God. So, um, so I think over the years we've definitely learned how to turn our nonverbal negatives into a positive verbal and to just talk about it. But definitely, it was probably the silent treatment, the quiet, the you know I'm not saying anything, and then I would know. Like, probably even now, if he comes home from work and he's real quiet, like you can feel it in the atmosphere. <laughs> It's like okay did i do something i'm not really sure what's going on here and then just kind of like and usually <laughs> i'm the first one who will break the silence like what's up <laughs> what's going on like i can't live like this you know we either talk about it or you get over it and so <laughs> i am i'm pretty pretty like to the point and so but i just don't like that that awkwardness in the house um especially you know as we have children and It gets harder to communicate, like you said, and I can't imagine once we have these two. But um, definitely going from the nonverbal to more verbal. But um, yeah, early on it was the quiet game, uh, kind of retreating. But I think we've overcome a lot of that. And sometimes sometimes you still need to take a break and, and kind of be quiet first and get over some of your bad emotions so that you don't attack the other person. But I think it's taking a step back and remembering Okay, he's for me. So how can I approach this in a way, this is how you're making me feel. I know this isn't your intention, but when you said this, this is how I feel. And he's like, that's not what I meant at all. <laughs> you know, so him being pregnant doesn't help. Yeah. But we're, we're definitely getting better.
4: And I'd say, too, uh, one thing I've learned is, and I'm a processor, it's just the way I'm geared, is explaining that to her. Yeah. I'm processing through something instead of just, I'm processing through something. <laughs> so I think communicating that to you um, helps a lot as well. And she's good, she's like, okay, I get it. I get it, but we need to talk about it sooner or later. Right. So, and just a lot of times there's things that processing that don't necessarily, it's a, it might be a lie from the enemy that I'm fighting, I'm battling that, you know, before I go and verbalize something to her in an accusatory way, I need to make sure um, it's something legitimate that I need to speak to her about before bringing that into a marriage that's just something that the enemy's accusing. Does that make sense? Mm. So um, I think that's one thing and then for um, uh, just communication for me being able to speak and have that <laughs> for the non-verbal communication as well as the verbal communication at the same time is important because uh I, that's how I read things, how I see things. That's how I understand affirmation or things being affirmed. Or she looks like she wears her emotions on her sleeve, so it's really good <laughs> when I, I'm saying something. She's like, What you talking about, Willis? <laughs> so, um, so I like that part of communicating the verbal and nonverbal part uh, at the same time. Yeah.
0: So. so, about verbal, uh, nonverbal, um, we've been married a long time 27 years. Next month, and um, and Angela's <laughs> probably only said "I'm sorry five times, maybe ten <laughs> in twenty seven years and words, but she is nonverbal communicator about "I'm sorry, and I used to feel like that was you know qu- right because I'm quick to say i'm sorry, I'm quick to say, look I'm sorry, I'm sorry and and she don't think words mean anything. She said, "Well, you don't really mean that, and I really did mean it, but I've learned also to watch her nonverbal hurt. Saying I'm sorry, maybe a, a a pat on the back, or a, you know, or something that she'll do to say, hey, I'm sorry, or even sometimes just eye contact, the way she carries herself. And I've learned to receive that, you know. And uh, it's such a powerful thing because you know, we don't fall out of love. What do we do? We fall out of forgiveness. And so if we don't learn how to forgive and to read those signs, then we can lose sight of where we're going. Uh, and then we talk about clear, clear communication and being. Uh, you know very conscientious of how we clear uh, speak and being concise Colossians 4 says this let every word you speak be drenched with grace tempered with truth and clarity for then you will be prepared to give a respectful answer to everyone who asks you about your faith how powerful it is that we as Christians first start with clarity among the people we live with then the people we work with and the people we do life with and so when we don't have clear communication and we leave things open-ended, things get said that wasn't said, feelings get hurt. We don't, we, we leave place for the devil. We leave place. And the Bible says that, that uh, you know, that Satan is the accuser. And through this lack of conversation, ac- accusing can come as well as, as through conversation. So you can, you can let people assume something because you're not clear. You're showing, you're throwing a little f- sign out there, you've you got a little temperamental thing, you, got, you know it's amazing to me how people can live together and never want to correct their communication because they feel that they're right so they've taken their ground they're taking their ground, this is who God made me to be, this is who I am, you know a person that was that way me, I was that person I'd say well this is who God made me to be and as I would say that Holy Spirit would convict me and say no but I filled you with my spirit so that you could Change your that nature of your human, na- your, your wrong nature. There's some changes you need to make. It's not okay for you to lose your temper, it's not okay for you to justify that, it's not okay for you to disrespect. It's not okay, and, and a lot of times, where I was doing that out of a defense of my own hurt, so I didn't want to be hurt. So, I, you know, it's kind of like the old schoolyard thing I'm gonna hit you before you hit me. And so then we say things, and we don't say what we feel or what's clear, and then we leave things unsaid. And the unsaid things is what the enemy uses against us. The unsaid things as well as the said things. So conveying a clear message is so important, and then saying that with grace. I want everybody to say, talk to someone with grace. I I want you to say, with grace. It's so important that we have grace for people because I think about why Emily was talking as much as, and I've never thought this before because Emily's such an incredible person, but as we've talked through this in last service and today, i like, boy, that would be bad if Emily and I were married. Because <laughs> we're both very verbal and emotional and gonna say it like it is. That could be ugly because we wouldn't have the processors to slow down the talkers. So God is good that he put us together, and that we value one another's differences, so that we could be better together. Because if Angela, in our early marriage, if she was as confrontational as I am, we'd just been holy war all the time, <laughs> constantly. I mean, there was a lot, <laughs> but but she would shrink back, and and I would you know leave, or I would go about my business. And so, uh, learning to that communication, to humble yourself, and say, look. God put this person in my life to help me, and so I need to let them be who God created them to be as we work together to find uh, grace for one another and to be concise and to be clear. Now, baby, I'm gonna throw you under the bus just a little bit right here. Okay. This is a family thing, Angela. Angela can uh, tell you something, but she never really told you, especially <laughs> like something she wants you to do, and so she uses this little back conversation like I need to take out the garbage what she really means is you need to take out the garbage she says that out loud like I I need to wash the dishes she means everybody get over here and wash the dishes
1: Matt does the same thing too
0: yeah yeah so I need to do this means you need to do it and so the kids say well you said you needed to do it so I was just not doing it so you do it and she would get so upset with the kids for that she's like ah. so yeah Sorry.
6: No, it's okay. It's all right. <laughs> I do that. I guess I'm. Feel I don't want to bother you, but at the same time, I'm drowning over here. And can you please come help? Like, you know, that's your But I should say that instead of saying it the other way. It's not being clear. It's not being concise. It's, you know,
0: suggestive. It's suggestive. At best,
6: yes. It's not. There's a there's a word for this uh, type of communication we use in the workplace. It's called closed-ended communication, and you clearly speak something, and then you expect it to be said back to you. So if I if I have something I need you, I see. Say, okay, conflict resolution is this. I see. State the fact. I see that you're sitting over there watching TV. Fact, right? fact is there are dishes in the sink fact my next step is a feeling my feeling is I feel overwhelmed I feel that I'm the one working and you're the one resting I feel dishonored okay that's my feeling does it always go this way no this is the way it should go Feeling, I'm stating my feeling It's a real thing, I feel this way Okay, and the next thing is silence And that's the hard part, just shut up and see what happens It's called silence, you think about what I just said
0: Yeah, and you said you need to wash the dishes, so I'm letting you (laughs)
6: Yes (laughs) So with children, the next step in that, I'll add the fourth step So get up over here and help me (laughs)
0: So I understand that, and so it would be funny because I'd say, kids, your mom's telling you to, to sweep the floor, and they'd say, no, she didn't. She said she needed to. <laughs> so it was a very concise conversation, and then she would feel that she was being left out, or she was not being respected, or nobody cared about what was going on. And then she has this other thing that she does. Sometimes she actually is talking to herself. So we do not really sure this what's is going true. on there. This is true. And so, so but on, on the other hand, I'm very like, hey, get you behind up and wash the dishes. But maybe not saying that with grace. Like, would you please wash the dishes? I'm not good at that. Matter of fact, I tell my team and my staff, I was like, hey, listen, I am not in the middle of things going down. I'm not going to say please and thank you. I will affirm you after it's all done, I will tell you how great you did, but I'm gonna be commander and chief when it's going down. So do not think I'm disrespecting you, because I'm like, do this, you do that, you do this, blah, 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 blah. But I've had to communicate to them that that's my, when I'm in the heat of it, that's how I communicate. Because, and then I've learned to sometimes say please, and sometimes I try to think about, especially, it's so funny because I communicate with Audrey. Well, Ryan's not here, but Ryan and I are a lot alike. So I'm like, Ryan, shut up, man. Just do what I told you to do, boy. And he's like, Pastor. Right. And everybody think, may think it's disrespectful, but I mean, just, we're just talking each other's language. But with Audrey, I would never tell her, shut up and do what I told you to do because she'd be like, oh my God. You know, it doesn't even affect Ryan in any level. So and knowing who you're communicating to and being being clear go ahead
5: no this (laughs) is not related to what you just said um but it it is kind of how angela's saying how she says something like i need to do the dishes and yet she wants to assume everyone in that room was going to assume that responsibility but even in the workplace even in meetings i also find that i hear the word we but yet there's no one individual or maybe people by name if it truly is everyone then that's great that's listening to it but that detail alone sometimes can kind of get lost. Even in conversations with, you know, if, if you have a friend group or you're planning something, and say, yeah, we need to do that. And all of a sudden you come to the day, did anybody, you know, okay. Like that to me, I'm a stickler for communication in the same way as far as like, who is the we? Who is the I, you know? Like you said, it, no one's that great of a, perf- like a communicator that you would assume anything really, honestly, so that's just a little, pet peeve
0: and then let's just uh, we're going to get off this just real quick but this is real important is details we talked about this a lot because Angela gets hung up in the details I mean so we talk about we're going to go do something and she'll start lining out all the details all the details I'm like okay let's (laughs) move on but we're still waiting on who's going to comb the kid's hair who's going to put the bow in who's going to I'm like mm, but well, that's like a month from now. Let's just move on and get to it. And so, but at the same time, pulling back, because if, if it's just a visionary like myself, I can leave the details completely out and the we comes up. Like, well, who's going to make that happen? Mm-hmm. So I've learned through the years to say, okay, let's give enough detail to get us on the road and then let's give us enough vision to go where we're going and then let's say, let, then let's break this down into who's going to put legs on it. So you're communicating these things. And so you say, well, pastor, how is that spiritual? That's very spiritual. Because the Bible says without a vision, the people perish. There has to be someone who can share the vision with people so that they know where we're going and what we're doing and what God's speaking. There has to be someone to get the details out there. So communicating that, even in the family, is important. And when you have two different people, you have to work together so that that does not get left unhanded. Or that the one person that's the detailed person. I'm looking over here at Julie over here, the one person that's the detailed person doesn't feel like the truck just fell on them. Yeah. You know what I mean, like, okay, I, you, you say we gotta get the details, what you meant is you just told me the vision and you checked out and now you've left me with all of this. So it's both and, am I making any sense? Yeah. So that you can do that. And then I'm gonna talk about be speaking with confidence. I'm, uh, we're gonna add being personal and speaking with confidence together. Um, Proverbs 15 says, when wisdom speaks, understanding becomes attractive. Somebody said that's powerful. When wisdom speaks, understanding becomes attractive, but the words of the fool make the ignorance looks laughable. When you just blah, 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 you're laughable, but the words of wisdom becomes attractive. So in, in being confident, you need to be prepared to speak before you speak, and you need to learn to walk out wisdom and pray. So. We're gonna talk about being confident, what that looks like, the difference between, because I've been accused of, because I'm confident of being cocky. What is the difference between being confident and being not confident and how that works? You wanna talk about that, anybody?
1: Um, To me, confidence is knowing where you're going and not letting that like, not, not being deterred by where you want to go, you know, but, I mean, um, so for me, it's, you know, like, um, if we know we need to get something done, um, or we're, we're in trying to read through a book, you know, like, that book, actually, in fact, and, you know, we want to, we, we gotta make sure we set time for that to read, because if it, you don't set time, you're not gonna be confident to finish that book, and, you know, it not, in that way, you gotta, Plan ahead, like okay, let's let's be, let's have be on board to put the kids to bed early so that we can have that alone time at night, and um, you know, but being confident of where you're going and knowing that that's where you are both are headed in the same direction, and being cocky is like to me, it's like being like arrogant, almost like oh, I'm too good for that. But being confident is being coachable, also.
0: That's good. Anybody else? Um,
5: I think it's probably like being able to be part of a team being able to be like you said teachable but like that you partner with the Holy Spirit like I don't think you can be any more rightly confident when you've partnered with the Holy Spirit to be able to guide you in a conversation a relationship a job like all that kind of stuff you you don't have a better coach next to you than that so I think like that being the source of things and where you start, like Emily was saying, like taking the time to, to like, yeah, you self-assess, but then you're like, okay, God, now, you know, I, I need to know how you see things. And then being able to be confident to move forward in whatever conflict you have to resolve or, you know, thing that you have at work or, or whatever it may be. I think it, that partnering with the Holy Spirit letting Him be the source of your words is, you know, letting you take the back seat just so that, you know, the things that need to be said are said, and and there's grace, and there's wisdom in it.
0: Uh, for the sake of time, let's move on about empathy and, and the skill of being able to understand and to share the feelings of another person. Uh, well, sometimes we get wrapped up in our world, or we're going through our life, or we're whatever, and we get so caught up and trapped in our own life that we lose the empathy for others. And then using wisdom there is like, I've never lost a child. So I would never tell a person that's lost a child, I know how you feel, because I don't. Mm -hmm. But I can say, listen, I know your heart is breaking. I know that you're hurting, because I have hurt. So understanding with wisdom how to deal with someone who's going through a difficult time, having empathy for them, and still having the ability to speak into their life is such a powerful thing, especially with your children. I think more so with your children than even with your wife or your husband because our kids are coming up in this world and they need to know that they have a safe place and so you need to empathize with them. My daughter sat with me last night and she really felt that she had been disrespected of expectation and I had to listen, her, listen to her and then she called her sister out who, you know, in that conversation about not feeling that people understand her. She's 11 and I watched her just break down in tears. Now, honestly, I thought it was like not that big a deal. But for her, it was a moment where it was a huge deal. And as a man, I had to learn to have empathy and sympathy in some ways for my children. <laughs> so um, it, it, it's a caring, it's a sharing. And then number seven is having an open mind. So <laughs> we could talk about this for a long time, but what does it mean <laughs> to have an open mind? Anybody wanna talk about that real quick? Having an open mind?
4: I'll touch on this a little bit. Um, I did have a benefit of when we first got married of (laughs) coming off the mission field. And by going overseas and living overseas, I had to adapt to other cultures. So I had to have an open mind to their culture. I had to, because I can't just come over as the American and you get to do it my way or it's the highway. You have to understand their cultures, (laughs) understand where things come from. And when we got married in the beginning stages of our marriage, It kind of worked the same way. I had to have that understanding of the culture, although we both Americans, we (laughs) both were Christians, we still had very different cultures that we were brought up in. So I had to have an understanding of her background and she had to have an understanding of my background because we had these two cultures colliding and our families are alike in some ways but are very different in some ways. So the norms in my household were, that I grew up in were very different than the norms in her household. Mm-hmm. So when those two things come together, and your norms don't match my norms, mm-hmm. I have to have a little understanding, and have an understanding of the background, so you kind of look at the parents, and you look at their house, and you can have a better understanding of the culture that Emily was raised in, and then an understanding of the look at the culture I grew up in, and say, hey, these are very different in a lot of ways. So. I have to have an understanding, and maybe that's where empathy comes <laughs> in as well, and, and understand where she's coming from, and then uh, there has to be communication to bridge that gap of those two cultures so we can create our own culture.
3: Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing too is creating your own culture, because um, we weren't gonna jump on board with how his family did it or jump on board with how mine did it. Some, some that was the case, but others is, okay, well, this is how we're gonna do it in our house especially with children coming in. Um, And I think another, just with empathy is, you know, he may come home with something and tell me all about it, and it really just goes over my head, you know? I mean, sometimes, (laughs) and and vice versa, you know, or especially jobs or different things, like, hey, this is what happened today, and this is what I was dealing with, and he's like, I don't even, like, understand, but taking the time and just listening to that, because it is important to him, and so knowing that, I may have no idea what that technology means in your world and in your work, but if I see that he's super excited about it, I'm not gonna fake it. You know, I might say, okay, well, what's so exciting about that? Help me understand what you mean when you say that so that I can be excited with him. Or so that I can, you know, on the flip side, if he struggled with something and I may be like, well, it's not that big of a deal, you know, but it is to him, then, okay, help me understand where I, I'm not seeing eye to eye, like where did that upset you or how, like tell me more of this situation and just kind of asking, I think that's the biggest thing is how did that make you feel? And as like silly as that can sound, I think that's a big deal. And we've learned to do that with my daughter who's only two and a half, but well, you know, if she gets upset about something, why does that upset you? Why why are you feeling that way? And so we'll try to help talk it through. But I think the, you know, biggest thing is to just try to take the time and put yourself aside. And while that person's talking, just really get into their world and understand, good or bad, why are they feeling that way, you know? And then it opens up for uh, just understanding who they are, so.
0: And then that gives you, goes to the next thing about speaking the truth and love, and that's a real respect for one another. You're speaking the truth. These are the facts. This is it. Let's sort this out. Now, you're wrong about how you're feeling about that. You know, I've come home sometimes from work and, and expressing a frustration that I'm feeling with a, with the situation, and and Angela uh, would say, "Well, are you are you feeling that way because of this, this?" And she start and starts sorting it out and helping me sort it out through process that I, that that's her gifting. Oh yeah, maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I'm overthinking that. Maybe I'm emotionally responding to that. So then the next day, I go back to work, and I'm in better shape to deal with the situation because there's been some communication there that helps me. Um, I always said you don't want me to pastor, that you wouldn't want me to be your pastor without her and that's why. And so, um, and then we, we're we just gonna wrap up with a right time, right place and how to communicate. Listen, we do so much of our communication today with text and emails and really that's not communicating and I think it's important that we understand that when we communicate, this, this right here, somebody mentioned this to me, this right here has caused a lot of division. And it, it leaves people, husbands and wives and children, feeling not valuable. And here's a funny thing that I see all the time, and I'm guilty of it, so I'm not pointing the finger at anyone. We tell our kids, get off of that iPad, get off of that phone, get, turn that TV off. Well, when are you gonna turn it off, Dad? Well, I'm working. It doesn't matter what I'm doing on this phone when I'm disengaged. They may be playing a game. That They're a kid. That's what kids do. They play games. I'm working. They're saying, well, what I'm doing is just as important as what you're doing because it's where I'm at in my life. And oftentimes we'll tell our kids, get off the, quit playing those games. It's bad for you. But we're stuck in work, and work's been over. I I had someone tell me yesterday, it's really good, a, a guy a little older than me, he said, back in the day when we left work, there was an answering service at our, our office that picked up the phone and you left the message and we got back to work the next day. Mm-hmm. Today, we carry a phone home with us and if I don't answer this phone, somebody on the other line feels like I'm ignoring them because they know I got that phone in my hand. Right. And why didn't you answer the phone? There are times in our life, and I'm doing much better at this and I got a long way to go, so I wanna practice what I'm preaching today, that, th- that we need to turn this off and pay attention to the people in our in our circle. Don't let this captivate you. And don't use this tool in the wrong way. Uh, this past week I text someone a very long text and I don't text long text. So this person misunderstood what I was saying because I communicated through a medium that I don't normally use. And so, so they were like, well, He's really upset because he's texting me and this is not his MO. He usually calls me and we have a conversation. So it matters what tools we use and how people respond to those. And, and, and I tell Angela, don't text me about, you know, like, I may not look at my phone, so when I get home, don't ask me did I pick up the grocery list. You didn't talk to me. I was probably on my phone all the way home. And then you're upset with me because you text me and you didn't get a text back And so we have this unsaid communication that breaks down walls. Am I making any sense? Mm -hmm. So we have to learn that in this life, God created us, and this is so spiritual. I'm getting ready to close, but this is so spiritual. God created us to be together. And it is so important for us that we communicate in a holy, godly, respectful manner. And that people around us feel valued. And I don't want you to raise your hand, but there would, I would be willing to say right now, if I said how many wives and husbands don't feel valued, a lot of people would raise their hand in here because we don't communicate clearly. The one reason we don't communicate clearly. And it's so important that we value, we communicate, and then we don't undermine someone else's personality and what God created them to be so that we can unite together And work together for the purpose and for the glory of God. Our marriage will be strong. We talk about unity all the time in church. And we get real spiritual about it. Oh, Jesus, bring us together. And he says, oh, I will as soon as y'all tear down the walls that you created. Don't ask God to do something you won't do that you won't participate in. Don't tell God to tear down these walls while you're building them. You know what I mean? That's like asking God to be skinny while you're eating. You know, I had a person come to me one time. This sounds very mean. Some of you could throw eggs at me. And he said, would you pray for me? He said, "Uh, so I'll stop smoking? I said, no. He said, why? I said, because you don't want to quit smoking. He said, how do you know that? I said, when's the last time you bought cigarettes? He said, I bought a carton this morning. I said, well, you're not going to stop smoking today because you're going to feel like you need to smoke all of those already. I'm not being mean, but until we decide to tear down the walls that are created, don't ask God to do something you're not going to work to do. Don't say, God, fix my marriage and you're not working on it. Don't, don't go to counseling to get your marriage fixed if you're not working on me, me, and say, okay, God, let me see me and how you've created me to be, and let me be willing to change because nobody can change me but me. I can't change Angela. Believe me, I've tried. <laughs> and she's tried even harder than I have. And neither one of us ever changed because of the other person. We've only changed because we were willing to say, God, I need to change. And I need to communicate better. And after 27 years, we still have a war occasionally, but that's because we like to make up. Um, we'll pick a fight, you know, just for fun. So, anyway, stand with me and let me pray for you. I hope you got something good out of this today. Hope this series has been good for you, and I hope our marriages are going to be stronger, greater, better, and that we have a better way of not just our marriages but our kids and our workplaces. So, let me pray for you. By your has, Father, we thank you, Lord, for the grace of God. It's in our life. We thank you, Lord, because you loved us with this incredible love. and You never dropped us, God. You always stayed with us, walked with us. You've loved us through every situation. You've loved us through our brokenness. You've loved us through our pain. You've loved us through our rejoicing. You've loved us on the mountaintop. You've loved us in every situation, God. And God, even when we were unlovable, you loved us. And I'm so thankful for that. And God, I just thank you for the people that you've placed in our lives all the people that you've placed in our lives. And I ask you, Lord, to give us an open heart, an open mind, and the ability to communicate and to have the ability to love one another and have the ability to walk with the grace that you've given us to give to others so that we would work together, live together, bring harmony and show the world what Jesus looks like. It's our responsibility to reflect the body of Christ and to show the love of Christ. And so we do that by embracing one of those differences, loving each other for who God created them to be, and then, and then within our own self being corrected and strengthened to become who you want us to be. We love you today. We thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. God bless you. Have an awesome Sunday.